Hey guys, welcome to The Creative Entrepreneur. Today we have an amazing guest for you. We're going to be talking about clarity. You don't want to miss this episode, so stay tuned. Coming to you from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to The Creative Entrepreneur, a podcast created to help entrepreneurs build their business. Branding, marketing, analytics, positioning, and lead generation. Plus, interviews with other business owners to learn from their successes and failures. Now, here is your host, Abel Garza. Hey guys, welcome back to The Creative Entrepreneur. Today we have an amazing guest for you. One of the more challenging parts of being an entrepreneur is understanding clarity. And uh, it's, you know, I've always mentioned on this show, you know, figure out who you are, what you're going to do and how you're going to get there. You know, start out by looking at yourself introspectively, what makes you happy, and then taking those necessary steps to follow through with your goals. And today we have a great guest. We're going to be talking about clarity and how it can help your business. And she's helping entrepreneurs figure out the next steps in how they can organize and help themselves and grow. She's an organizer for TED Talks. Please help me welcome Dolores Hirschman. How are you doing <laughs> Thank today? Thank you. Thank you, Abel, for having me. Awesome, awesome. I'm really glad and excited to have you on the show today. You know, we get to talk about clarity and let's gain some perspective. Why don't we start out by getting a little bit of information as to who you are, what you do, and how you help your customers. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So first of all, uh, if you hear an accent, it's because I have one. <laughs> I'm originally from Argentina. I've been here in the U.S. for over 20 years. And I, if you want, I'm a kind of a serial entrepreneur. I've been in the space of creativity as around the concept of business for many, many years. Actually, a quick story is when I graduated from high school, I wanted to be an actress or a film director. I've been a creative all my life. And my dad said, great, go to business school and then we can talk. Not the answer that I wanted, but that's what I got. <laughs> and yes, tooth and nails, I fought through business school. But the truth is that I believe that entrepreneurship with the right tools to know how to turn ideas into products, services, systems, movements that can impact the world is probably one of the most gratifying, can be financially abundant, creative projects you can embark on. Mm -hmm. And so I have spent all my life in that space of what can I create that can have an impact and add value to a market, a community, a group of people, and turn it into a scalable business model. Yeah. And so today I have kind of, I'm 48, I'm a mom of four, uh, my kids, my younger kids are teenagers. And in the last few years, I've been kind of exploring on how can I come full circle and bring all of the experiences I've had from the age of, you know, from university all the way here uh, with the with the different um, companies and, and companies I've started and companies I've worked for and bring them all together to solve a problem. And mm -hmm. the problem that I solve for is why is it that entrepreneurs or that creatives with great ideas for impact sometimes don't realize the full potential? That's a problem that we solve at Masters in Clarity. Mm -hmm. And I found that what's stopping a lot of people from having that impact is clarity on what is the next step or why, how do I tell the market about my product mm -hmm. or how can I gain momentum yeah and so at masters and clarity we tackle those problems and we help we guide our clients to find their clarity we don't yeah. give it to them we guide them 
so they can be, become masters of their own. Career. Absolutely. I totally get that. I mean, people have ideas out there and they just don't know how to be, get it into fruition or bring it about into the market. And understanding the steps that are necessary to get that idea out is huge. What are some of the first steps that I, so let's just say I have an idea. I want to take it to market and we'll put things in motion. What is the first step that I need to take to do this? Perfect. So if, once you've validated that idea, you know it's solid and you know that there's a need. The first per thing you want to do is understand who in your circle of influence can have a use for this idea. Let's call the idea a solution. And that solution can be in the form of a pair of sneakers mm -hmm. or an online product. It doesn't matter. It solves a problem. And so for a very early stage entrepreneur, you know, you want to start looking at where do you have an influence? You know, they say start with friends and family to raise money. Start with friends and family to also position a product as well. And maybe look at past colleagues, past companies you've worked for, um, past clients you've had in different ventures or whatever. But start looking at who in your circle could be either a client or a bridge to a client. Mm -hmm. Do you use them for uh, feedback? Is that how you would get that? In well, so if your product is ready for market, you you offer your product. Mm. If your product is not ready for market, by all means, create a, um, a, what is it, a focus group and just distribute your product and get feedback in return for mm. free or not or however you do it. Um, I think that there's a lot, especially today, in the digital space with virtual businesses, I get a lot of clients who say, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to go do Facebook ads mm -hmm. and then I'm going to sell millions of it. It's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, wait, not just yet. You know, don't go into um, building cold traffic mm -hmm. when you haven't even proven the warm traffic that surrounds you. Yeah. Um, so test the product with the, the warm, warm traffic means people that are, that are already kind of like and trust you mm. as a as an as a business owner or as a past entrepreneur or as a friend or as a colleague and get them to see if you are adding value or not so the question i would have with regard to that that's a brilliant idea but the integrity behind that is what i would be concerned with because for family members and friends i would say that many of them might be just too nice and say you know what it's a great product you should go through with it and, and then not really believe that on the on their end do you run into that with your warm market or should you just say you know what let's put this out there to a focus group and really get some honest feedback because if i'm telling my mom that i want a couple and she's gonna be like baby you know what do what you want to do and you you know what i mean so is no. that something that no, you so let consider? me get really clear so let me tell you how i started as a coach originally because mm -hmm. i i started more of as a life coach. I went to school and I discovered this. There was a new way of living and I became a coach and then I became more of a strategist. But the, so, so let me clarify, because the truth is your friends and family are not likely to be your clients. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, they're going to be the last to hire you. Um, but they will be the bridge to your clients. So my first clients were referred to me by people that knew me socially or in my community or, or in my space. And I was very clear to say, this is a problem I solve. And those people were willing to say to their friend or colleagues or colleagues of colleagues, say, I know someone that solves that problem. Mm -hmm. 
And so the truth is like, let me give you an example. My best friend, one of my best friends, I've known her since we were 12 years old. She's Argentinian. She ended up moving here. She's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It was four or five years since I've, uh, after I started my business that she ended up hiring me to be her speaker coach. But I had been doing this for many years. She knew about it. We we're friends. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't sure that I could translate in a professional kind of capacity. Mm-hmm. And so not, it's not just that people might be too nice and not give you real feedback. Also, your friends and family not, that see you as a mom or as a soccer mom or as a, a high school girlfriend, right, mm-hmm. might not know or see the potential for solving that problem. Um, so there's kind of a skepticism on the friends and family. So they, they're always your network. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily your clients. Mm. So some good feedback from your, from your, uh, your friends and your family, understanding that possibly that this idea that you have, they may have somebody that they know, somebody that you can turn to. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What are some of the challenges that many of your customers face when they're starting out? I mean, I know that you're, you know, you have the idea, you want to put it to market, take these steps, you're focused on your inner circle. What are some of those challenges? I mean, I know, I think we, we, we probably identified one that might hinder the, as far as the integrity part of it, but what do you find are some of the challenges that many of your customers face? So the, the customers I work with are primarily service entrepreneurs, meaning they are selling their expertise or they're selling, um, yeah, so that they're, they're coaches or, or wellness coaches or um, uh, inspirational speakers or that kind of thing. And so the first problem they'll have is I have no client. So the, I have no client problem. Where can I get, can you get me client mm-hmm. problem? Um, and it's usually not necessarily a, I have no client problem. It's more about, I'm not putting myself out there properly to get those clients. And so that's a first line of problem. And I usually try to solve that problem and let them face the second problem. Like I literally was in a call with this morning with a client mm-hmm. who's facing her second problem. I said to her, what would happen if I give you 50 more clients? She grabs her hair and pulls it out and said, no way, please don't. <laughs> and I said to her, then celebrate that. Listen to yourself. Two years ago, you were like, where can I find my first client? Right now, you're saying, please don't get me more clients because your business is not ready to scale. So while she navigates the overwhelm she's feeling, we are working on the scalable business model. So problem number Mm -hmm. one, where do I get someone to buy what I have? Problem number two, where where can I get some sleep at night? Because now I, I successfully solved this problem, but now I have no time for myself. So then we, we go into business design. And what I've learned, because I tried, mm-hmm. to do the business model design a little bit too early, mm-hmm. you get pushback because they don't see it. A, an entrepreneur that hasn't started can't, f- the, the moment you say you're going to have too many clients that you can't handle them, they mm-hmm. look at you it's like, why would that be a problem? That's what I want. Like they don't see that as a problem. Yeah. So you can't solve for it yet. So problem one, get clients. Problem two, scale so you can accommodate all these clients that you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's a, that's a big problem with many with many uh, entrepreneurs. They start their business. They start getting clients. And they know they want to grow. They know they want to get bigger. But they don't know how. And so I guess my question to you is, really, when do you know that you want to scale? And if so, how do you do it? Yes. Great question. 
When do you know that your company is ready to scale? When you are hopping into a client call one-on-one and you feel tired, mm-hmm. you are not so passionate about it, there's a little bit of a dragging of your feet. When you find yourself in that emotional state, just be careful. Mm-hmm. Because you might self-sabotage. It, may, yeah. it will show up. That means you're a little bit stretching yourself too thin because especially in the service entrepreneurship space, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of energy to hold space for your clients. And so you must protect yourself and take care of yourself. Um, one of the things that I love about my work and how I've become full circle is that I tell my clients when the, we start the conversation of business design is we talk about what kind of life do you want to have and how can we build a business that accommodates that life? Because if you only go and say, I want to make a million dollars, I don't care how, then you likely build a business that you will feel trapped in. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a dual design of what kind of life you want. And, and then you, you figure out the business. So what is a way to scale your business and what are the first steps? Mm-hmm. The, the first, first step is to understand your magic. Uh, meaning if you are waking in every morning, handling clients, one-on-one meetings, one after the other, after a while, if you pay attention, you will figure out that you have a pattern of behavior, that there is an actual, what is called success path or process, mm-hmm. whether you're conscious of it or not, that you're taking your clients through. You, all your clients are going to do, I don't know, an audit of how they feel. And then Maybe if you're a wellness coach, you're going to have an audit of what they eat. And then mm-hmm. an audit. No, there's, a, there's actually a clear process. You're just doing it one-on-one. Once you start observing your process and, and, and kind of writing it down, you will then create what I call your secret recipe or your proprietary system. Mm-hmm. Once you have your proprietary system, now you have something tangible to package. Mm-hmm. Because now... Your proprietary system can now be the backbone of your business, meaning everybody that works with you is going to accomplish X, Y, and C milestone. But now that you have it out of your head and in paper or on videos or however you want to have it, then you can say, well, you know what? For, I don't know, $97, you can do this on your own. I'll give you the book or the online product or whatever, uh, or the weekly emails, Mm -hmm. and you go do the work yourself. And that's a client that will pay you money that will take zero of your time once the time is invested in the proprietor system. Oh, I see. And then once you, I mean, I call it the triangle model. It's like at the base of your triangle is going to be that group of clients that are paying the least amount of money but getting the least amount of your time, direct yeah. time, dollar yeah. for hours. And as you go up the triangle all the way to the top, at the top of the triangle, you should be charging the most money having the least amount of clients at that level, mm-hmm. but having a huge impact. And the clients might start at the bottom and go up or mm-hmm. start at the bottom, be satisfied and be done. Everybody's different. Everybody has different budgets. Everybody has different needs yeah. and everybody ha- has different requirements of handholding. That's interesting. The time triangle model. I'm going to have to figure, I'm just going to have to look at that. I don't know if you have something already in place where I can actually just mirror that or we can provide it to our listeners, but that's actually a really interesting perspective. What I wanted to do is I wanted to ask you, 
is, you know, we're, I'm just going to continue with the scaling portion of it is when I speak to entrepreneurs, they often tell me that they're nervous about, uh, they, they do want to scale. They understand that they're overwhelmed. They need to get bigger because they're, they're getting more clients. And in some cases, they're refusing clients because they can't handle it. They want to grow. But the issue that they're having is maintaining the quality, the standard that they've already established with their customers with regard to customer service and quality. Now, I know that you know there's certain steps that you can take to assure quality assurance in, in when you're scaling. But what is the number one and what's the biggest advice that you can give to someone who's trying to scale? Would you just say, hey, no, just start a quality assurance, you know, a, a <laughs> group and just start making sure that there's actually somebody behind those people? I mean, what is it that you do? I know it differs for for each person and each each uh, business is, is unique. So I guess in general, what would you say? Yeah. So actually, it's a very clear exercise that I take my clients through that works really well. And, and, and again, in the work that I do, I'm both a strategist and a business kind of expert, mm -hmm. but I'm also a, a coach. So there's a lot of behaviors in our business that we practice that are actually rooted in fears that we have mm -hmm. from uh, what are people going to think if I charge more and service less, mm -hmm. self-worth. Um, what are people going, I mean, I'm afraid if I delegate this task to a team member, they're not going to do it right. And then they're going to ruin my reputation, fear, mm -hmm. lack, everybody, everybody's going to run away. And what if I sudden I'm going to be fired from my own job. So there's a lot of internal conversations that feed these behaviors of yeah. scaling and that's stopping us from scaling. So the exercise that I take my clients through and that I have practiced for years is understanding what is the one thing, the unique brilliance that you have. And so I, I tell my clients, look at, look, grab a box, have four quarters, have a quarter that is unique brilliance. What are all the things that you would do kind of for free all day long? You never get tired of doing. Mm -hmm. You are in naturally good at, and people recognize you for that. And we all have our own, mm -hmm. everybody, everybody. Then it's the quadrant of your excellence, things that you are trained to do, you've done for years, you're great at it. Would you do it for free all day long? Absolutely not, because you get tired of them after a while. Like there's a little bit of effort in the doing of those things. And then there is what are things that you're okay doing that you can do, and then you make a list on that. And then there's what are things that you are incompetent at doing? So once you have those four boxes and you start listing all of the things that you are doing in your business and you say, okay, I do my accounting. Where does that fit? Well, it fits in the incompetent. Mm -hmm. um, I do all of my scheduling. Where does that fit? Well, I'm good at it, but I, I mean, I, I wouldn't do it. If I, you know. And so I started doing that for my business and I started understanding where do I actually add value to my clients and where do I... I do good work, but mm -hmm. someone else could do it. Yeah. And once I did this, I started understanding and, and strategizing, how can I spend 80% of my time with the clients in my brilliance quadrant? And so I, at that point, I was already having some team members. And I am very, as a coach, I'm very uh, trained to look for people's strengths. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. 
And so even if I had a team member, she came in as an assistant, I started understanding, okay, what is her brilliance? And down the road, three years later, she's now my head of customer experience. Yeah. And she is brilliant at keeping my clients on point, implementing and moving forward. Yeah. I know I'm not good at that because I've never been good at doing homework. She's brilliant at doing homework. So yeah. I've never done my homework and I've never held my clients accountable to doing homework because I'm not wired that way. Yeah. But my team member is great. So now I started kind of breaking it down and say, okay, the client's gonna have this much time with me as a strategist, but then she's gonna have, or my client's gonna have X amount of time on, on a monthly basis with this team member who is a content and uh, a homework accountable person. Mm -hmm. And then I have another team member that's brilliant at whatever. So you, you wanna start doing some personal exploration of where are you, where are you adding a lot of value to your client and where are you maybe doing okay, but not doing great for your client and start complementing your skill set um, so that you can grow. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, providing value to the customer that you personally cannot provide, but that somebody on your team or maybe somebody that you can hire can, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's funny though, that when you start explaining something and it starts to open up your perspective and enlighten your approach to scaling, you know, it, it changes the way you look at how you can grow your business. I mean, you let's just say, for example, uh, you have a cleaning business, a cleaning, uh, you know, house cleaning business, and you have a certain number of clients that you can maintain, a certain number of clients that you can take within a day or a week, and you want to scale. I mean, so you're looking at, you know, somebody within your organization that can provide uh, the type of value that the customer needs that can alleviate or, you know, maybe mitigate some of these problems or that you have with regard to your time and, and anything that you have going on in your life. And, uh, and, and know that this person can take care of an additional five people or, and then, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it, it makes perfect sense that you can provide a value to a customer that you probably couldn't do if you started to scale, it makes perfect sense. It's, it's excellent. Actually. And that's where the perspective of a bit. So I, I, I work a lot with clients in helping them shift from running a practice or running a solopreneurship mm -hmm. uh, to running a business. And I always say when you shift from running a practice to shift into running a business, your focus actually needs to change and your, your, clients if you want your your first priority if you ask me honestly Abel it becomes your team your team becomes the most valuable asset to your company hmm. because if you love and service and take care of your team they're going to love and service your clients in return yeah but if you are like, here's one thing I tell my, my, and I, I, luckily I'm lucky my clients are all amazing and I've never had to do any of this, but I always say to my client, to my team is that I, we can always find a new client, but I can't replace a great team member that easily. Yeah. That makes and sense. so there's, there's a culture to a company and there's clients that don't fit. Yeah. And we say, thank you so much, but you're not a great fit. I'll refer you to someone. Yeah. Again, I, I haven't had to do it. I think I did once. Um, and, 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 and you actually don't have to do it at all because, um, 
when you set the pace and the culture of your company and you are very clear on how you work, um, clients kind of fall in line and team members fall in line and it, and it becomes a community that everybody protects. It's kind of interesting yeah. how, how that works when you lead. All right, guys. So we lost a little bit of connection, but it's fine. We're going to continue on with the podcast with uh, our cell phone. So I have uh, a Dolores on the cell phone right now. So we're going to go ahead and continue uh, talking here. And so we're talking about teams and building and scaling your business. So uh, we're getting close to the end of the podcast. And I just wanted to get from you some words of wisdom or some rules that you live by. Yes. So words of wisdom. Um, I always check in with myself first. It's like, I mean, I'm very intuitive. So I, whenever I'm making a decision, I check in like internally, how am I feeling about it? I know this might be a little bit soft for some people, Mm -hmm. but I believe that our body has an amazing amount of wisdom that we don't always tap into. Mm -hmm. And so when I feel, literally feel physically weird about something, um, or off, I I check in and I ask myself questions. What is off? What am I not sure about? Where am I kind of uh, doubting myself? Yeah. And and I, I I get curious. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. You you know talk about uh, you know looking at yourself introspectively, looking at yourself in a way that you know I think. A lot of times what I do is I ask family members, you know, is there something wrong? Is there something that you're seeing? And get some feedback from them so you can understand better what direction you're going to go. So that's great, great information. Uh, how can uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Yes, uh, you can visit me at mastersinclarity.com and also Masters in Clarity in Facebook and Instagram. And just go to my website and click start here and hop on a call with us. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, it's been a great, it's been great having you on the show today. You're an inspiration to me and our listeners, and I'm so, so glad to have had you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, playing with me, even when we had some tech issues. Yeah, I mean, that's always the case. I mean, Zoom right now is probably inundated with all kinds of yeah, cool. people yeah. online. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, all the show, all, everything's going to be in the show notes, guys. So just check out the creativeentrepreneur.net. Everything's going to be in there, all of her information. Be sure and check that out. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. Uh, and until next week, keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to The Creative Entrepreneur. Please click the show notes for additional information. Want to know more? Click on the subscribe button and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by visiting us at tcepodcast.net.